Have you noticed that the whole of uh, life in 2019 is about convenience? No, it is. Look, popcorn. I don't even have to go down to the shop. I did have to go to the shop. I don't have to go to the shop to buy my popcorn. I can just simply open a packet, put it in a microwave. Have you ever considered a microwave? You just open the door on this silly little metal box. You close the door. You press the popcorn button. It has, it's got a popcorn button. And in any moment, I'm going to have popcorn. It's fantastic. It's all about convenience. It's a, it's a, you look in there and it's cooking. There's no fire yet. I understand at the uh, light party at North, they set off all the fire alarms um, from candy floss, not popcorn. And uh, so, so there's no fire yet, but it's doing its thing. It's cooking. It's amazing, isn't it? But the whole deal with the microwave oven is convenience. That, that's why there's, there's a market for them, because in our 2019 world, convenience seems to be everything. You think about it. You don't do that much because you want to. I'm, one of the, I'm a weird person. I've got a coffee machine because I like to make coffee. It takes three times as long and all of that. But most people I know have a coffee machine. You just press a button, put a pod, press the button because it's convenient. It doesn't taste anywhere near as good. It's convenient though. Oh, can I just sidetrack myself for a minute? Put your hand up if you're South African. It's like you're holding your hands up nervously. It's a proud moment for you. Come on. Come on. The fact that you live in New Zealand and the All Blacks are your number one team, at least you had a good backup plan. Oh, listen to the popcorn. It's easy, eh? It's convenient. It's only going to take, I think it said two minutes. It's got 30 seconds to go. It's, it's only going to take two minutes and suddenly there's popcorn for whoever wants popcorn. I like popcorn, so yeah, I'll put it in the bowl and you can have the popcorn. There's going to be, the deal is though, if you drop it on the carpet, you have to vacuum. And, um, but everything is about convenience. You know, It's all about our benefit. It's all about our comfort. It's about our ease. It's about our enjoyment. It's about anything, expediency of anything. It's about our advantage. 2019, even church is affected. Even church is affected by convenience. Oh, look, it's finished. Oh, look at that. Oh, you'll smell it in a minute. It's awesome. Stacey, if you put that in the bowl, you can let people eat it. It's really hot. Don't burn yourself. See, even church, you get popcorn for convenience. <laughs> but, but the way we do church even is, it's convenience. We try to make it so it works to be convenient so that it, it fits in people's lives. Like, you know, kind of an hour and a half max, unless the preacher goes on and on and on, which is possible, but, but an hour and a half max. And, and um, so you can kind of come and you can kind of go and we do the best we can, make it easy for people. We have coffee. We have coffee for your convenience. Try and keep you awake through the preacher. <laughs> because it is, it's, we just tried it. It's about convenience. When I read the Bible, I think we've lost the plot somewhere because I don't see a whole lot of convenience in the Bible. 
In fact, I see a bit of the opposite. I see, uh, sometimes it feels like God's going out his way to be inconvenient. But we're going to go to Luke chapter 9, and so if you want to turn there, that would be good. We're going to read the first passage, and then I'll zone in to what I feel the Holy Spirit's guided me to this morning. But what I want to do this morning is I want to highlight that conveniences come at a cost. I think conveniences cost us in our relationships with one another. I think conveniences cost us in our relationship with God because we expect microwave relationship with God. And it doesn't work like that. God's not about our convenience. He's about the journey. He's about us being engaged with Him. It's about us being engaged with one another. And Jesus actually dealt with this really good. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. It says this. It's, uh, we're going to read the first 17 verses. One day Jesus called together His 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing on your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveller's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. That's a little bit inconvenient there. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust off your feet and leave it uh, to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. When Herod Antipas the ruler of Galilee heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. Others thought Jesus was Elijah and one of, or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. I beheaded John, Herod said, so who is this man whom I keep hearing such stories about? And he kept trying to see him. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything that they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. It is an amazing passage of Scripture and there's a lot in there. As I looked into it and I was Asking Holy Spirit, what do I need to zone in on for this morning? I really felt to go to verse 11. And so we're going to go there. And I'll start by reading verse 10, then we'll go to 11. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. The message puts verse 11 this way, I like it. But the crowds got wind of it 
and followed. Jesus graciously welcomed them and talked to them about the Kingdom of God. Those who needed healing, He healed. Or the Passion says it this way. But the crowd soon found out about it and took off after Him. When they caught up with Jesus, He graciously welcomed them all, taught them more about the kingdom, uh, God's Kingdom realm and healed all those who were sick. This is not convenient for Jesus. I love the way He responds, wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. I love the way He responds because it's not convenient. The disciples have been out, they've been doing their thing, they come back, Jesus has been doing His thing, no doubt. They get back together and Jesus tries to sneak off quietly with them. Probably wants to go do a debrief. And, uh, you know, how did it go? He he knew, I guess, but how did it go? Um, What happened? How did you find it? All those kind of things. But as they sneak off, people track them down. That's like, you know, when you're at home, you've finally got a day at home. Finally. And you think, I've got some jobs to do. And you just go to do the job and the doorbell goes, ding dong. And it's someone there. And it's like, Oh, hello. They've interrupted you. Their presence is not convenient. You go, oh, come in and have a cup of coffee. And your wife goes, would have been nice if they knew they were coming. Uh, Just not inconvenient. Well, it's the same kind of thing. Jesus has just set him up. He's with these guys. They're going to have a bit of an R&R, take a breather, find out what it's all about. And suddenly they've got this whole group of people. If you go on and it's attached to the feeding of the 5,000, it's like 5,000 men knocking on their door saying, we're here, surprise. And Jesus, how's he respond? He warmly, is that the word warmly? He graciously welcomes them graciously welcomes them. I think how inconvenient. Wherever, whenever be like Jesus, He graciously welcomes them. I think that's amazing. He brings them in, He talks to them, He teaches them, He heals them. Whatever is required, He does and He does it graciously. He graciously welcomes them. Can I ask a question? When did your faith become about convenience? When did it happen? I phrased it in such a way that I'm assuming it is. Because I think we're all all affected by convenience. All of us. Uh, When did your faith, or when did faith come about convenience? Because Jesus just tipped his obvious agenda on its head to accommodate the people, to accommodate the purposes of God And surely that's the same call, the same purpose that we have today. It's about God and it's about people. And so accommodating what God's agenda is, is often not convenient, but it's a pattern that Jesus displays to us. I actually thought that our faith journey is about dying to ourself. It's about, as I said, God and people and Kingdom purpose. Galatians 2 says this, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. In other words, I died to self, so my convenience is really no longer an issue. I'm on purpose, I'm on mission. I'm called, you're called. You're on purpose, you're on mission. God's got a plan and a purpose, it's a good one, the Bible tells us. Our convenience isn't at the top of His list. Philippians 3.8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For His sake, I've disregarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Luke 9.23, then He said to the crowd, if anyone wants to follow me, you must turn from your selfish ways or turn from your inconvenience and take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, old life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. John 3.30, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Romans 6.6, we know that our old sinful lives were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Christ. I've found that dead people don't cause a lot of problems. Probably should have filtered that slightly better, but you know what I'm saying. It's they don't. I don't know what your problem is, but I know my problem's me. At the end of the day, if I was dead to self completely, I would probably have a lot less issues. But the problem is this dead man keeps kind of jumping back to life and arguing with the boss. Oh, do I have to do that? I don't want to do that. Why should I do that? Are you sure I need to do that? He's like, didn't you die? Oh, that's right. We'll try again. And it doesn't last long. I think I'm my biggest problem. You're probably your biggest problem too. Trying to uh, keep myself on track. You know, that's a 24-7 job right there. Some of you may be easier than me. But for me, keeping myself on track, going where I need to go, doing what I know I need to do, it's it's a hard job. It's quite inconvenient, actually. It's quite inconvenient to pursue the purposes of the King. But it is what He's called us to do. Jan and I were um, driving through town, can't remember what day, Wednesday, Thursday, and um, there, was a, there was a hit and run uh, car accident right in front of us. And so we were at the front of the lights and there was a lady coming through the intersection and some guy drove into the side of her. He must have had outstanding something because he was quick of mind the second after he hit her, he floored the car, smoked it up so much that no one could read the number plates and down the road. I thought he's done that before. And um, anyway, so we're sitting inconveniently on the middle lane. The ladies had her crash and stopped. We're late for an appointment um, because we were late. So I want to be there. And now there's a crash in front of me. But a few people stopped. That was nice. But I thought straight away, I thought, should we stop? This is inconvenient. But should we stop? And thought, yeah, we need to. It's happened right in front of us. We've seen it happen. Um, so we, we pulled over and, and uh, helped the lady, helped her off the road with the car and had her talk to her. She wasn't hurt, but she was really, really badly shaken. And, um, and then we called the, the police and we waited. So now my late, I'm late. Now I'm really, really, really late because the, the police don't come that fast if no one's hurt. 
And, um, and anyway, then the police come. We've got to talk to the police and describe the, all this stuff. You know, it takes ages. And very, very inconvenient. But Jan got to pray with the lady briefly in the car and just to declare God's peace over her and do anything we could to help her. And then the lady rang Jan that night and just to say, thank you so, so much for everything that you did and, um, you know, for bringing peace to the situation and, and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, that is an inconvenient moment that because it was embraced, we got to um, administer something of the kingdom of God into that situation. Owen Mataiti is really, really good at this. He's probably the best I know, actually, at embracing these situations and, um, and turning them into a great kingdom opportunity. It's great. But it was in inconvenience. We had to embrace the inconvenience to have the kingdom impact. Jesus embraced the inconvenience to have the kingdom impact. Every one of us in this room have got people in and around our lives that have been involved in a hit and run spiritually. A spiritual hit and run. They're left dazed. They're left confused. They're left wondering what life is about and and what's going on. And you know, every one of us in this room, if we're prepared to embrace inconvenience, can have a kingdom moment. Can see kingdom advancement, can see something of the presence of God released into those situations. They're around us all the time. Wherever be, uh, wherever, whenever be like Jesus, Jesus warmly welcomed them. Warmly. It was no sort of like muttering under his breath from what I can read. Like, man, I'm just trying to have a break. I'm trying to talk with my guys. We're trying to have a meal around the fire and this crowd has turned up. None of that. That's like, no, come on in. Come on in. Sit down. Let's talk. Let's have a kingdom moment. And you and I can find ourselves in exactly that position by embracing inconvenience. In other words, it's not about you. It's not about me. This is normal Christianity, by the way. It's normal Christianity. Jesus graciously welcomed, talked and healed because my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. Maybe my response should be to welcome, talk and heal. It's a bit of a challenge, but everything in faith is a challenge. You can't live a life of inconvenient faith if it's all about me. Did I die? Is a question I ask myself. Did I die with Christ or did I not? Well, depends what moment we're in. I change my mind some days. Here's part of the deal. So many of us believers have prioritised lifestyle over obedience. We've put lifestyle above doing what God's actually asked us to do. We've put comfort over conviction. You know conviction when you just know you should respond that way, but it's uncomfortable, so you respond this way. We've put self over discipleship. Did you know you can be a believer but not a disciple? Two entirely different things. Matthew tells us to go make disciples, not believers. 
Disciples are, are followers of Christ, ones who mimic Christ, do what Christ, the, 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 the demons even believe. You know, they said, well, they believe. Scripture tells us that. But they're not disciples. You and I can believe, but it doesn't make us a disciple. Obedience makes us a disciple. So self over discipleship, convenience, uh, often over inconvenience. But the call to follow Jesus isn't easy, but it is truth. It is truth. There is one way. You know, Jesus said and. Uh, or Jesus told them in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's truth. Not convenient, not easy, but truth. I think it's a large challenge in a world where we're conditioned just to make sure we're okay. As long as it's making me feel good, it's good. It's a huge challenge. Huge How's your inconvenience going? I think sometimes it's not even convenient to assess our relationship with Jesus, to assess what's happening, to even think it through. But did you know that when you were designed, when, when uh, the Creator made the blueprint for humanity, He made it in such a way that connection with God is the only way to make it complete. When he drew it all out, he knew that you and I would be on this planet. And he also knew that for us to know what it is to be complete, we needed to be connected to him. Not always convenient, I hear you say, true. But that's how you get completeness. Jesus came and he died on a, or people stuffed it up way back made a mess, made this big gap between God and people. And only God could fix that, and he fixed it by sending Jesus to hang on a cross, to pay the price that was necessary to be paid to reconnect our relationship with God. That's good news because it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. He's paid that. He's covered that. That's a good thing. And now he says to us, you choose. You choose to recognise what I've done and walk in relationship with me. And your future's looking, eternity is looking great. It's looking great. You don't have to choose. You can live any way you want. But your eternity's going to take a different shape as well. I've not found that relationship with Jesus is always convenient. But I have found that it's the only way I want to live. I have found that walking with Jesus gives me a perspective on life, which I know if he wasn't there would be way different. I know that walking with him is the answer. I know that he went to that cross, he died, he was risen again, he connected the gap so that you can walk in relationship with him. He says, give me your life, die to Christ. He doesn't say, just give me your heart. That's kind of useless, really. He says, 
I want your whole life. All of you. Give it to me and see what I can do. Give it to me and walk with me. Give it to me and experience my grace. Give it to me and experience my forgiveness. Give it to me and experience my relationship. Give him and experience me. And there's nothing he wants more than us to know him.